Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I'm talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District, Steve Pierce. Steve, we got a lively show today. Lots of things going on. Tell us about it. We've got a lively show. We've got two special guests, Ethel Mayhard from New Mexico Right to Life. She's going to be talking about the three bills that have already gone through in the quiet of the night without any public viewing going on, no public comment or very little. You're allowed to get on Zoom and she'll explain how they just cut you off as soon as your one minute statement is finished. This is not transparency. She's going to be with us. But Mark Murphy is here for an in-depth discussion talking about the serious effects of the Biden administration's action against oil and gas. He's a longtime contributor to the oil and gas industry in New Mexico, understands it as well as any. Probably the most unsettling thing that came out of the last week was Jenna McCarthy's comment. She was explaining why the Biden administration is taking aim at the oil and gas industry. Her comment was that the environmental justice communities have been left behind. I'm sorry, that's the reason you got to fight oil and gas. You got to take jobs away from union workers. You got to take jobs away from the poor. You're going to drive the price of gasoline up to all consumers. You're going to raise taxes on everybody else because the jobs are killing, all on behalf of some vague idea that environmental justice communities have been left behind. So uh, stay with us today in this, uh, this very important discussion on the effect in New Mexico of Biden's oil and gas executive orders up to date. Derek, another special part of the program today is, is Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul. Uh, I know him from serving in Congress with him, but he also played on the baseball team. We played in the outfield together. And so in between our chances to snag fly balls and just be in the game, we would sit out and visit. Uh, he's a strong libertarian. He's a strong constitutionalist. And he had a, just a very, very dynamic speech on the floor of the Senate a couple of weeks ago. And I just think it's important for you to hear as much of that as, as we can put on the program today. So listen as Rand Paul exposes the hypocrisy of the left and what's going on right now in the nation and in this administration. This sham of an impeachment will ostensibly ask whether the president incited the reprehensible behavior and violence of January 6th when he said, I know everyone here will soon march to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Peacefully and patriotically, hardly words of violence. But what of Democrat words? What of Democrat incitement to violence? No Democrat will ask whether Cory Booker incited violence when he called for his supporters to get, get up in their face of Congress people. That's my call to action here. Please don't just come here today and then go home. Go to the Hill today. Get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people. A very visual and specific incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Maxine Waters incited violence when she literally told her supporters, and I quote, that if you see a member of the Trump administration at a restaurant, at an apartment store, at a gas station, or any place, you create a crowd and you push back on them. The 
if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. Is that not incitement? My wife and I were pushed and surrounded and screamed at by this same type of mob that Maxine likes to inspire. It's terrifying to have a swarm of people threatening to kill you, cursing at you and literally holding you hostage until police come to your rescue. That night we were assaulted by the crowd. I wasn't sure if we'd survive even with the police protection. But no Democrat has ever considered impeaching Maxine for her violent rhetoric. In fact, Republicans, to our credit, have never once thought it legitimate to formally censor or impeach these Democrats. No Republican has sought to use the government to hold these Democrats responsible for Antifa and Black Lives Matter violence that has consumed our cities all summer, resulting in over a billion dollars of destruction, looting, and property damage. Not one Republican said, oh, let's impeach the Democrats who are inciting this because it would be ridiculous. That was Senator Rand Paul speaking on the Senate floor a few weeks ago. We'll be back in just a moment. Steve Pierce will be talking with our first guest of the program, Ethel Mayhard, the New Mexico Right to Life Executive Director on Inside New Mexico. Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico as Steve talks with our first guest of the program. Steve? Thank you, Derek. As we mentioned in the first segment, uh, we're joined with a special guest today, Ethel Mayharg. She's the executive director of Right to Life for New Mexico. Uh, Ethel, thanks for being on the program today. And we've got the session started in Santa Fe. That's always unsettling news for anyone who trusts that the right things are going to be done in Santa Fe. Tell us what your take on the legislative session is today. Well, thank you, Chairman Pierce, for having me on. I really uh, counted a privilege. Well, uh, having been up there, we were up there last Monday for March, just so I can let people know, because I don't know, a lot of people don't know, it's locked up, tighter than Fort Knox. They have a fence all the way up to the sidewalk. Pretty disturbing that we can't go over there into our capital and just be part of the process. But what's going on right now is they've already put through three, let's call them death bills. They started out with Senate Bill, so SB 10, Senate Bill 10, and they started with that one in the Senate, in the Health and Human Services Committee. They went through that one, and it passed, because it's all stacked pretty much against us. And it went down party line. Unfortunately, we did have one Republican who voted yes. That was Phelps Anderson. We're still trying to get clarification of that. And that's pretty much on conscience clause. What's going there? And then the next thing that they did is they brought up the assisted suicide bill. That one was in the House, and that's House Bill 47. So that one was brought up this week as well. That bill was last week. 
Houseville, they ran those through. They were running them through really fast because they got full control of all of the media and things. You know, they've got everything on Zoom. Everybody's testifying on Zoom. They give you a whole minute and cut you off instantly when you're done. So the thing is, HB 47 was also heard. The assisted suicide bill was also heard. HB 7 is the House bill that is the Senate bill version of the abortion repeal. So they're hitting us from both directions. Senate Bill 10 and House Bill 7 are the same bill. It's the repeal of the abortion ban of 1969. So they ran it through the Senate first, then they run it through the House. Already, The House has already gone through two committees. We'll go for a full vote. So we've had a lot of people calling in. In fact, I give kudos to New Mexicans because Representative Chasey said that there were more people testifying, but she said that there were 184 that called in opposing as opposed to 35 that were for the bill. And that's been true all along. In 2019, we outnumbered them two, three to one all the time. When the crowds are gathering, it was huge. I think it's having a detrimental effect on our legislators. So if you're out there listening and you see your legislator, tell them, you know what, we're with you guys, because before they could see us. Now they can't see us. And the other side knows that. They knew that we were there in number. And so when you would look and you would see the floor full of people that were opposing the bill, it did something to both sides. For our people, it encouraged them greatly. I believe it was Representative Nyberg had said, you don't know what it did for us to know that you were out there. And they need us. They need to hear us. They need to see that we're there supporting them. And then the other side, well, they knew that there was a lot of us that were there, and we, we made the phones ring like crazy. We're still making the phones ring, but we're not seeing with our eyes the impact. So we're just praying a lot because it's having just a different effect. But I, we can't lose hope. I can't stress that enough to people that they may be in control, but we cannot lose hope. You have to talk about what is actually happening, but you cannot lose hope of the fact that you will prevail in the end. And that's where I stand. I'm an optimist anyway, but I, I just happen to know a few things, and like my trust in God, of course, that he says we win. And so we have to hope against hope that we will prevail. Right now, it's, it's pretty ugly over there, and they've got everything stacked against us, but I'm telling people, don't give up. Just don't give up. You know, we weren't supposed to win HB 51. We just weren't supposed to, but we did. So hang in there, everybody. You know, we can still defeat things. I don't know how it would happen. It would be the grace of God again. I just tend to believe that we can do what we say we're going to do. You mentioned that the Zoom meetings are cutting people off. Tell a little bit more about what you saw two years ago when we were able to bring in enough people to defeat that. So talk a little bit about two years ago and the numbers of people who showed up uh, several times when they had major demonstrations about the life issue. From my perspective, I look back and it was kind of fun to see that. It was wonderful. And uh, let me tell you, because I had been part of Pregnancy Center Ministry before, and when we would go, there was a handful of us, just a handful in the gallery, all right? So when we would go into those committees and we would pack the room, they had to leave us people outside. But they were giving us probably maybe they were giving 30 minutes or so each side. But we were packing the rooms, and they couldn't help that. They had to give us some of the attention, half and half. So, you know, of course, they cut you off there, too. But, I mean, it's not the same over here. They've got a timer that you're watching. And when you're done, click. I mean, you're just done. You're off. 
Okay, over there when you were actually in person, I mean, if you were in mid-sentence, you could finish your sentence, not here. It's here. If you're not, you're done. You just cut off. So you have to be very succinct in what it is that you're saying. They would try to cut us off. They actually had one hearing one time where they only gave us one hour notice. I was in Albuquerque. Elisa was in Albuquerque. We flew out of here to go try to be in that committee and didn't make it because, of course, it was not enough time. They've done everything to try to keep us quiet because they knew if we rallied the people, they were there. They were there. I know that it's meant to control us, even the fences and all that, so that we can't get in and show up in number because they know we will. They know we will. Even the name calling of, oh, my gosh, they're going to be here and they're violent and they're going to create all kinds of problems. And No, we didn't. It was always peaceful. We had our gatherings. There was much prayer going forth. People were visiting respectfully because I made sure in the communications that I told people, be nice. Because I'd heard reception say, well, people were rude. And I said, don't do that. Please don't do that. These people are serving, especially their staff. I said, it's not their fault. They're just taking names, numbers, and yes or no. And so people are good. I'm just very proud of New Mexicans. They've done a great job. The fences are keeping people out away from the Capitol. And there are two excuses given. Number one, COVID, we've got to keep everybody safe. I forget that uh, they're (laughs) gathering in Walmart in huge numbers. Uh, There's nobody shutting down those contact points. But we're going to shut down the democracy. We're going to shut down the republic so that no one is able to see it all because of COVID. And, oh, yes, we've got those riots planned that are going to come into our capital. And so we got to keep those deadly rioters away. Have you seen any of those deadly rioters even trying oh my to uh, gosh. maybe gather outside the fence or scale the fence? <laughs> no, I was part of a march Monday and nobody was deadly. Nobody, in fact, the state police had it all blocked off. They were kind. They knew we were there was we were not dangerous. You know, we marched around and stuff. But I'm going to give you a contrast. They're sending women across the border. There's a two-week waiting period to have abortions here in our state without quarantine, without any other nonsense to keep us safe, quote-unquote safe, all right? So come on. You know what? This is not for – they don't care about our health and safety. If they did, they wouldn't be trying to pass – two bills that kill people. So it's not about our safety, it's about control. Ethel Mayharg, again, New Mexico Right to Life, thank you very much for what you're doing. Thank you very much for being on the program. God bless you and your work and keep it up. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Steve Pierce and I will be back in just a moment. Steve will be talking with Mark Murphy, president of Strata Production, an oil and gas company out of Roswell, New Mexico, when we return on Inside New Mexico. On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19. We're back on Inside New Mexico as Steve Pierce talks to our second guest of the program. Well, Derek, as we mentioned earlier in the program, we're joined by another special guest today, 
Mark Murphy, a longtime friend. He's one of the producers in the oil and gas industry, but he is the exception. He's a private company, not one of these big public companies held from somewhere else that will undermine the future of New Mexico for their own short-term political gain. He's a guy that has to make it work every day. So, Mark, thanks for joining us on the program today. Tell us a little bit about what you're seeing and your interpretation of what's going on with the executive orders coming out of the White House. Thank you, Steve. They're just devastating. I mean, the XL order um, obviously was one you can see very quickly because they just shut that project down and hotels emptied and towns emptied and so forth. We're starting to see that. It's going to take a little bit longer. I don't think it'll be quite as abrupt, but it'll certainly be as severe. My family's been doing business in southeastern New Mexico since uh, the late 1950s. And so our operations and our properties are all located here in New Mexico. And so it's important for us to be able to access these lands and to be able to get the permits we need. And, you know, clearly that just has come to an abrupt stop. And we know of rigs that once they finish the wells that they're on now that will be moved out. We know rigs that that just finished wells that were then going to go on and drill another four to six wells per rig, but they were moved out. And there's this fallacy out there that people say, well, there's all these existing permits. In some cases, that's true. Many companies did bank permits and so forth. But there's all sorts of things that go along with that, right-of-ways for electric lines and gas pipelines and remediation efforts and setting up compressors. All that comes to a halt. So in this case, the two rigs that were moved out, there were two wells that were drilled. There were six more that were supposed to be drilled, but they moved out because the right-of-way they needed for the gas lines in question. So now those two wells are sitting idle, and there's six other wells that who knows if they'll ever be drilled. So it's really beginning to have an impact, Steve. I've seen projections that it'll cost the state at least a billion dollars this first year. I bet it's more than that. I've seen projections that it's going to cost somewhere in the order of forty to 60,000 jobs, and I bet it's every bit of that. Now, I was on a very liberal program the other day out of Santa Fe, and the interviewer said, well, on the rights-of-way, that seems like uh, oil companies should have had those in place before they bought these leases and uh, got the permits to drill. Tell a little bit about that viewpoint that it's just your fault for not getting the right-of-way easements before drilling. It's just sort of a process that you go through because, you know, the, the thing that you don't know, I mean, it's easy for these people that have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to this business. And it's especially true that the Biden administration needs to get some adults in the room when it comes to energy policy and federal land use. Let me touch on that specific point. For someone that's never been in this business, to tell us how we should have gotten right away to begin with is laughable because it tells you that they absolutely have no idea what they're talking about. And the reason is this, is because the leasing process comes very early in sort of the process of developing these projects that cost tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars to do. And so then you go in and, you, and you're able to secure APDs, uh, application permits to drill, and then you begin laying in corridors and that types of things where you do environmental reviews. But you many times lay in multiple corridors because there's infrastructure being built all the time. There may be a new gas pipeline that has a better price for both yourself and the federal government through their share of royalties and taxes that may come in a slightly different way than the original way that you plan to take your product out. So if somebody wants to debate about you know, whether we should have gotten right-of-ways or not, I'd like to know how many wells they've drilled, how many pipelines they've built, and how much experience they really have in doing this. Good points. Now, one of the things that I think is going to be very devastating to the state is the shutdown of the lease sales. 
Talk a little bit about that lease sale back in 2018. Uh, it brought $967 million in one lease sale. That was three times more than the total amount of lease sales in 2017. It was a stunning amount. And now the Biden administration has said we're not going to have any more lease sales. Talk about the difficulties for New Mexico that lie downstream from that decision out of the Biden administration. Sure. What a lot of people don't understand, and, and you hear it when they say, well, there's lots of drilling permits or banks that so things aren't going to slow down. That only applies to the daily production and the royalty revenue that goes to the federal government and half of which goes to the state. So just think of that as royalty revenue. There's also the lease bonus payments, which are the ones that you're talking about, that are paid at the time that the land is leased. And that particular sale brought in almost a billion dollars, $970 million, of which approximately half comes back to the state. So our share of that was $435 million and change. And that was for one lease sale. And these lease sales have historically been held quarterly. So for a year. Now, even recent lease sales have yielded in the many tens of millions of dollars for the state. So when people say, well, this isn't going to have any immediate effect on the state, once again, they simply don't know what they're talking about because those lease bonuses will not be being paid because we're having no lease sales. So therefore, the state of New Mexico will get exactly half of nothing. Eight percent of New Mexico government's budget came from one lease sale. Like you said, we used to have four a year. Those have been shut off. But then it's not just the lease sale itself. It's downstream. The New Mexico government gets half the royalties. Then they have all the payroll taxes. Then they have the many gross receipts taxes that are paid across New Mexico. It's just phenomenal what oil and gas contributes to the state. And it's ghastly what the Biden administration has done to kill the jobs here and to kill New Mexico's future. If you were looking at just the XL pipeline decision, how does that affect New Mexico? It affects New Mexico in the sense that any oil that is not brought into the United States from friendly neighbors in this case in a safe environmental way, which would have been via pipeline in this case, causes both an environmental and a national security threat to us all. And that's because those barrels are going to have to be brought in some other way, either from very unfriendly regions and nations such as, as Venezuela, the Middle East, and elsewhere. So all of these decisions, whether they directly impact your local community or state, in one way or another, indirectly, will certainly impact New Mexico. And so the thing that has never made sense to me is people that oppose pipelines in the name of an environmental good, because they are by far the cleanest, safest way to transport oil, natural gas, and other liquids and gases for sure. Yeah, I pointed out that during my time in Washington, the XL pipeline was an issue for the full 14 years I was in Washington. And the combatants were the union jobs on the one side wanted the pipeline to be built. But on the other side, you had a guy named Warren Buffett who owns the rail cars. The rail cars are bringing that same oil in at sometimes 40 times the cost bringing by pipeline. So the war on consumers is equally as important as the war on the union jobs. The consumers are going to pay more because the trains are going to still bring that oil in. We need it from somewhere. If we don't bring it from Canada, we'll be getting it from a nation that supports terrorism. So we as consumers are going to be forced to support and to help fund terrorism, to help defund the stabilizing of the geopolitical situation throughout the world. And it is all because of the stroke of a pen in the first day of Joe Biden's presidency. This tells you just how radical that his approach is. I'd like to talk a little bit about your views on Congresswoman Holland and her potential for serving as Secretary of the Interior and what that's going to mean for New Mexico. 
Well, I'm very concerned about it, and unfortunately, we're not going to have a voice from New Mexico sitting on that Senate panel, as we have had in the past, asking some hard questions. It's very clear to me that she has very little experience in oil and gas policy and federal land policy. She appears to be an environmental ideologue who has basically made wild, unproven claims about the effect of fracking, disproven claims about the effect of fracking, and seems to have really no regard for how some of her decisions could potentially affect her fellow New Mexican, but also her fellow tribe members. She's pushing for greatly expanded uh, 10-mile buffer around Chaco Canyon, when many of her own tribal allottees only want a five-mile buffer so that, that some of that oil and gas potential on their own lands, their allottee lands, can be developed. And so it's very, very concerning to me. You know, I've worked with secretaries of interior and, and secretaries of energy in both Republican and Democrat administrations. And both the Clinton administration and the Obama administration had their share of what I would consider ideologues as well. But they also had their share of very good longtime career professionals and folks that would come in occasionally. And luckily, we were able to avoid some of the huge policy mistakes because of those people. I don't see any of those folks in this administration, and it concerns me greatly, especially when those policies are being developed by somebody that is just so clearly anti-fossil fuels and has little regard for how that's going to affect the people in our own state. Mark, anything else that we should be talking about on the program today? The only other thing that I would mention, Steve, is that long-term environmental legacy is going to be costly. The other thing, too, that is so sad, and, and you're very aware of this, is the missed opportunity. I mean, here we have a booming oil and gas industry from a resource standpoint. Granted, prices are depressed, but the industry is coming back, and we have had this opportunity to build a whole refining and petrochemical and gas processing industry in this state, and the leadership has just squandered that opportunity. I read recently about the Carlsbad Economic Development people losing a plant like that to Reeves County, some 30 or 40 miles south. It's moving into Texas, and here we could have had a brand new industry with very good high-paying jobs and wonderful benefits, employing New Mexicans, and once again, state and federal leadership has just squandered the opportunity. Mark Murphy, one of the independent producers of oil and gas out of Chavez County here, a longtime friend of the industry. Mark, thanks for being on the program today. Good luck to you and keep up the great work. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate everything you're doing, too. Take care. If you would like to get involved with the Republican Party of New Mexico, there are several ways to do that. You can start by going to www.gopnm.org. The party has a Facebook page and a Twitter account. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. You can call party headquarters in Albuquerque at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. For Steve Pierce, I'm Derek Underhill. We'll look forward to meeting with you again next week right here on Inside New Mexico.